Open, outspoken, it's ophthalmology off the grid, an honest look at controversial topics in the field. I'm Blake Williamson. Welcome to another episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid's Survive and Thrive series. Today, Dr. Blake Williamson welcomes a panel of ophthalmologists with diverse professional backgrounds to try and tackle a common question for those looking for jobs after finishing their residencies and fellowships, private practice or academia. The members of the panel discuss the driving forces behind the professional direction they chose, compare the day-to-day and long-term aspects of their jobs, weigh in on work-life balance, and more. Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in ophthalmology. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Survive and Thrive. This is your host, Blake Williamson, and I'm very excited about today's episode, which features uh, a few of my very, very uh, favorite people from around the country um, who are going to help me sort of answer the question about what's the best choice, private practice versus academia? Is there a best choice? Does it depend on you? Um, What are the factors that they like about their jobs in various positions all over the country? So uh, starting off, we have uh, Dr. Zhe Zhang from Tulane University, where she serves as the, uh, as of July 1st, actually, uh, the residency program director, which is awesome, and the director of glaucoma. Uh, we have Dr. Julie Schauhorn, who's associate professor at UCSF. We have Dr. Poulin Shaw, who is uh, joining us from New Orleans as well at Oshner, but also uh, has some residents from Louisiana State University, New Orleans, who rotate through his practice. Um, and then lastly, we have my, my main man, Dr. Mike Greenwood, up north in the frozen tundra, who uh, is in private practice at Vance Thompson Vision, uh, but also uh, works with fellows as well. So um, I know how busy all you guys are. I really appreciate the time. And I think that what's great about this series is it gives residents and even fellows uh, some real world information uh, from people who are uh, just a few years out of practice or you know, within their, their, their first 10 or 15 years of practice and is super helpful. Uh, if they're trying to decide between private practice and uh, academia. So, um, Zha, I'm going to start with you uh, because I trained with you at Tulane um, and you went and did a, uh, a glaucoma fellowship at Yale, I believe. Uh, is that right? Or yeah, at the University of Iowa. At Iowa. I'm sorry. You went to, that was, you went to college at Yale. And so you went to Iowa to do uh, glaucoma and then you came back uh, to Tulane. So what drew you to, to coming back to an academic institution like Tulane versus going into private practice elsewhere? Well, you know, I always loved teaching. Even back in high school, I used to tutor even in college. Um, so teaching has always been a big part of my life. And I want I knew that I wanted to have that as my part of my career. So obviously academics was no brainer to be able to teach residents and students and fellows. Um, but also because the ability to do research, I'm very much interested in um, translational basic science research and glaucoma. Um, so that, to me, that was just no brainer going to academics. I kind of, I get to do what I love the most, which is teaching and um, um, trying to discover the next um, treatment for glaucoma 
Julie, what about you? You're, 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 you're in California, UCSF. Did you, you know, I think your father, he's worked in private practice and in academia as well and the military. So you kind of had a, you know, your, your pick. What, what, what drew you to UCSF and academia? I'm pretty similar to Zah, really. You know, I, I always really, really loved um, teaching and I really loved research. Uh, so when it came time for me to look for jobs, um, you know, being able to, you know, like explore creative research and just have that time to kind of, you know, be creative and think of new projects. That's that's really what what drove me towards um, towards academia. And the, the teaching is, 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 is extremely, extremely rewarding. Um, so really, very, very, very similar to Zah. Cool, and you, you kind of do a little bit of both. Um, so can you talk to me kind of a little bit about, you know, your practice at Oshner, but also your involvement with the LSU residency and, and what that's been like? Sure, so I mean, I've been out probably a little bit longer than some of you guys. This will be, I think, 14 years that I've been in practice. Um, so what I guess drew me to Oshner and that concept of having a little bit of a hybrid was that I did enjoy teaching, but I wasn't that into research and I kind of really enjoyed the volume of clinical practice. Um, I enjoyed, you know, fancy technology and refractive surgery and the things that, uh, you know, things like that. So <clears throat> I wanted a private practice-ish setting, something that, uh, something where I could really, you know, do what I do and, and practice in volume. Um, but coming out of training, I think, and, and for me, it was, it was post-Katrina, that was part of it. Um, coming back to New Orleans two years after uh, Katrina, where there was some uncertainty. So I wanted some safety. So a place like Oshner, which is a, uh, a private nonprofit hospital, I'm an employee of the hospital. So I'm employed, I'm an employed physician. Um, my salary is production-based, so it's not like a straight salary. So there's a productivity bonus kind of thing that's built into your salary setting. So you can be a high volume surgeon um, and still, and, and be involved in technology and, and refractive cataract surgery, that kind of thing. Um, but still, we have um, not a mandate to do research. I don't do much research. I don't publish that much, but we do have residents, and I enjoy teaching them. And I, uh, my, one of my other passions is doing international ophthalmology. So um, I'm able to do that uh, in our system. I have enough flexibility where I can take some time uh, out of the year, a couple of weeks out of the year, and travel internationally. Um, and I have a, I'm a nonprofit um, that's separate from Oshner, but I'm able to do some of those other things, other interests I have, and be involved in industry as well a little bit. So it's kind of a combination of both. Safety, I think, of being an employee, um, not having to worry about some of the, the business side of medicine. That was important to me. I, I, I think I realized I wasn't as uh, entrepreneurial as some, and I, you know, the business part of, of medicine wasn't uh, that attractive to me more. I, I kind of wanted to just be able to practice, take care of patients, um, and then at the end of the day, go home and not have to worry about um, kind of the, the business side of stuff and have that on my shoulders. So those are the main things, I think, that brought me to Oshner and the things that I like about it. Yeah, I, I love that. I'll never forget being, I think I was a senior resident and, and I got to, I was at Tulane, but I, I was, was bugging uh, Poulin to let me come watch him do cataract surgery. Uh, I know he's, he's an excellent surgeon. It was so cool just to go sit and watch him just breeze through a boatload of cases. Like as a resident, like sometimes you don't really see that, right? You don't get access to a high volume, busy surgeon like that. So it was really amazing that you do that. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget. I learned a lot from you. Uh, Mike, you, you kind of, uh, up there at Vance Thompson Vision, you guys are super entrepreneurial. You're, you're very much a private model. You do a whole lot of co-management. Um, you know, what drew you to that versus maybe going back to, to, to the university setting or a hospital setting? Yeah, so, so you know, some of the things that Poulin mentioned, but, um, you know, a big driver for me was location. And so I knew I wanted to come back to North Dakota or close to it. 
and take care of the people that helped raise me, you know, as I was growing up. And so all of my exposure uh, up until residency was private practice ophthalmology. I didn't really understand the academia world because we're rural and, um, you know, we don't have a lot of residency programs. And so my first exposure to, you know, academia was on rotations and then in residency. And so I had, you know, exposure to private practice early on. And that's kind of what drew me towards it. And as I was going through rotations and, uh, you know, during residency, I was kind of, you know, internally and speaking with my wife, you know, do I want to do academia? Do I want to do private practice? What draws me to it? And I was kind of drifted towards the private practice model uh, because I liked some of the freedoms. Uh, I liked some of the business things. I liked some of the, um, you know, we can move a little bit quicker uh, sometimes because there's a little bit, um, you know, less bureaucracy that you need to do. And, and that just kind of fit my personality. But, but also I knew I was coming back to North Dakota and there is no you know, true academic programs. Um, but, but we kind of jokingly, you know, advanced Thompson vision kind of mentioned like we're kind of private practice academia uh, because we do a lot of research and we do a lot of teaching in addition to, you know, the high volume clinical and surgical stuff. And so it just fit my needs best and, and was, you know, kind of limited by choice, but feel pretty good about it. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause there's a lot of those sort of private practice uh, fellowships that are kind of popping up um, in cornea and cataract surgery. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so take us through a typical week for you. Um, uh, you know, my, my work week is usually a clinic on Mondays and Thursdays. I do surgery Tuesdays, Thursdays, uh, 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 Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and then Friday is LASIK or clinic. Do you, what, what's your setup and, and do you have a scribe? Do you have technicians that are just on your team? Do you travel to different locations? I have to travel to five different locations, which is one of the things I don't like about what I do. So I'm curious kind of what everybody's work week looks like. So yeah, I have um, two OR days a week. They're more like half days because I do my afternoons as, as my academic days where I can do my admin work. Um, so Mondays, uh, half day, I have, a, I have surgery. And then Tuesdays all day, I have clinic at Tulane. Uh, Wednesdays, I actually travel to a different area in town, um, West Jefferson Hospital, where I have surgery. And then Thursdays, I have clinic. And generally, Fridays are my research days or admin days uh, where I get to catch up on my research and also get to um, work with the residency program to make sure everything is um, in tip-top shape. So it's, you know, I have a pretty regular week. I don't travel that much, which is nice, um, but I do go to two different locations. Yeah. So Mondays and Fridays, you have at least part of those days set aside to do some administrative stuff. Absolutely. absolutely. I, I don't think I could run a, I mean, I don't think I could run, I know I couldn't run a residency program unless I had a solid like day and a half every week uh, to do that. Do you, is that enough time for you? I mean, I know you're I'm thinking, I mean, like, that sometimes must be it doesn't weekend. feel like enough time, but, you know, I'm just stepping into the role of PD now as I've been associate PD for a few years now, trying to help out um, our current program director, Dr. Castle. Um, so stepping in, I mean, I hope it will be enough time, but if not, you know, I'll have to find the time. What about you, Julie? You've been associate AD for, or a program director for a while or residency director rather for a while. What's, what's your work week look like? Yeah, mine, it's, you know, the, I think the thing the, about, especially academics is that it's it is always kind of like changing and I imagine it's probably like that for you a little bit your schedule shifts around so my schedule didn't start out like this but I'm, I'm very happy where it is right now so I have all day all day Monday I have clinic it's my big clinic day uh, Tuesdays all day Tuesday I'm in the OR um, except you know occasionally I'll, I'll do lasers instead depending upon kind of what the balance is uh, Wednesday mornings I see my post-ops and then and I have clinic and then Wednesday afternoon I'm at the VA with our residents uh, out there um, and then I have surgery out there one day a month. That's just all, 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 all Wednesdays. And then Thursday and Friday, I really have um, like academic and research time all day. 
So I, I get a lot of time to to get stuff done, which is which has been really, really nice. I started out with one day a week of kind of like academic um, admin research time. And that just, that wasn't enough for the residency stuff and, and being a productive researcher. So I, I kind of went into two about a year and a half ago and that's been really great. So all Thursday and Friday. That's all Thursday and Friday. Yeah. Do you, ever, do you ever like crack a bottle of uh, Chardonnay around 11 o'clock and just say, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to really do it today. <laughs> this is being recorded. <laughs> it sounds uh, it sounds much more relaxed than it actually is yeah i bet what about you poolin what's a what's a work week look like for you um so it's evolved a lot i guess um basically monday i have a, a busy surgery day um tuesday i have a pretty busy clinic day seeing post-ops wednesday is another big clinic day for me and then thursday i'm in surgery again friday i'm back in clinic so i have two full surgery days um two, uh, two and a half full clinic days. I take, uh, the third Friday of each month, the first and third Friday of each month. Um, I do take admin time in the afternoon. So that's two half days a month where, um, I, I do take some admin time. Um, and <clears throat> recently, uh, just about a year ago, I actually went to part-time at Oshner. So after some years, um, I'm able to just basically that just allows me to take a few weeks out of the year to do the international work that I uh, that I, did, I do because it, it was backing up on the amount of vacation time that we were allotted. So as a 0.8 FTE, which is an 80% full time employee, I'm able to take, you know, eight to 10 weeks off uh, in the year if I need to, to do some of the other things that I do. So rather than rather than take a day a week uh, for admin, I usually take a couple of weeks in a quarter um, to do things outside of uh, the hospital. That's awesome. I, 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 but my, my, my week is pretty busy though. I mean, like I said, it's high volume kind of surgery, high volume clinics. And um, so I try, I like that. I like to be, when I'm there, I like to be working. I like to be efficient. I like to see a lot of patients, do a lot of surgery. When I'm away from the hospital, I want to be away. I, I don't want to be worried about stuff and I don't want, um, you know, responsibilities and stuff. So that, that, that's part of the, and one of the one of the good things about being where I am is I can leave all that uh, when I leave the the hospital. Yeah, see, that, that's this is kind of this conversation is making me think I need to kind of reevaluate a little bit about my time because you know I don't have any residents to look after, but I do have 173 employees and, and you know 14 doctors, and I don't have any uh, off time at all. What happens is I get home and I start my second job, which is you know being an administrator, being an owner and a partner of a surgery center and a practice doing consulting, doing fun podcasts like this, you know, this is kind of like, uh, I'm starting to kind of think, it sounds like you guys have, have, have carved out either a weekly thing or a monthly thing or something. Cause you realize that you can't do all that. Mike, do you have any kind of carved out time or are you just full, full tilt all week long or? Yeah, I'm kind of how you described it, you know, we're kind of full tilt all day. And, um, you know, I'm Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I've, mostly in the OR half day, you know, half day or half day clinic. Thursday is my laser and clinic day and Friday we're just half day. So technically I guess you were only open, you know, till noon on Fridays. So if I want, I have a couple hours on Friday, but usually I want to get out of there and relax a little bit and catch up on life. And so my admin time is like yours. I kind of squeeze it in wherever I can. And that's when we work on our research and teaching and taking care of the staff and things like that. And so, um, yeah, we kind of get it where we can, um, and as time has evolved, you know, I've had good mentors like all of you guys have as well. They kind of, you know, show me how to do stuff, how to be efficient. And, and most importantly, you know, when you might want to say no to something. And, and my wife's been really helpful with that too. So 
it, it, it truly is a balance, you know, COVID really made everybody kind of stop and pause and, and realize what's important, what's maybe not as important and prioritize. Um, but one of the best lessons I ever learned, I was uh, during my fellowship and we did a, a little fellowship exchange with the Minnesota Eye Consultants. And we got to spend some time with, uh, you know, the godfather, Dick Lindstrom. And he goes, I've got a, a 10 year plan and I break it down into each year. And he goes, at your stage, you probably want to, you know, do a five-year plan and break it up into every year. And he goes, I know exactly how much time I want to spend teaching, how much time I want to spend in the OR, how much time I want to spend in the clinic, and how much I want to spend consulting, and you know, on and on. And and the key to the goal setting with that is one, you've got to, you know, think about it. Two, you've got to write it down. And the more specific you are, the more likely you are to achieve it. So whether it's, you know, I'm going to read four non-academic books this year or I'm going to take four months of vacation, you know, whatever you plan is important, you can get that done. And that's really helped me kind of target where am I at? Where do I want to be? And now I can prioritize all that stuff and get it done. And, and that's been really helpful to, um, you know, drive the ship that way. I love that. Yeah, my dad is one of my mentors. And similarly, he has lists too. He, he, he told me that I have a bucket list and an off list <laughs> things you things you want to do and things that you need to forget about and just uh move on from mike uh talk about what's your what's your um like a, a clinic session what's the maximum number of people you can put on a clinic session meaning like a morning or an afternoon not a full day but like a half day session and and, and what what's your team look like to, to 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 accomplish that so for me i have a scribe and i have three technicians and a surgery scheduler so I have five gals that are on my team and we, if we, if we do more than 30 in a session, we're, we're, we're real, that's booking it. Does that 60 in a day and half of those are cataract evals or legs evals. So all that, you know, all the testing that goes on with that. And one thing that's, we, we just, we feel like we're kind of, we're fine. We're getting there. You know, we starting at eight and we're ending at noon, you know, for a morning session and we can see 30, but man, we are just, just cranking during that time. Are y'all, what I'm kind of curious what that looks like in your setting and then over in, in the academic side too. Yeah. Yeah. So ours is similar to yours, but a little bit different. So we kind of work in teams. So it's me, I've got two optometrists that I work side by side with and, and between the three of us, you know, we're seeing patients kind of at the same time and, and um, our, my optometrists are top notch. They know, you know, more than I do. And they, the way we do it is they get to do the stuff that they love to do. And I get to do the stuff that I love to do. And so we kind of work together where they're helping see the patients, um, you know, together with me. And so we have, um, you know, Mike, a little Mike, bit more. Let me, Mike, let me ask you. So, so y'all have the same patient list? Like, so they're not coming to see Dr. Greenwood himself. They they may see either either one of the three. Is, is there one patient list or do y'all have three patient uh, lists? Three uh, uh, it's, uh, two patient lists. So, you know, Dr. Rizbrut's got a patient list. Dr. Messer's got a patient list. And I don't really have a patient list, but I'm there, you know, helping and okay. and those guys you know they when they book the appointment it's with them and um it allows patients to get in faster into the clinic and to have surgery faster because if they were just coming to see me i just can't keep up and do all that stuff we book, booked out you know for six months and so it allows patients to get in sooner and get their treatment done and get back to their life which they want and so um and so that's kind of how we do it we've got you know we're a um high technology, we kind of have, you know, higher overhead than, than some places because we're, um, you know, trying to get those patients in. So we've got a couple more technicians, maybe than you mentioned, but 
that's kind of how we go about it. So it's similar to yours. And a lot of our patients are brand new patients. And so, um, you know, and they'll call you into the room. Steps. They'll call you into the room if they, if they, if it's a surgical consult and you have the, the talker, how do you, and some of them you don't, you won't see at all. So some days you might be seeing 50% of the patients, other days, 80%. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It probably, probably peaks at 50%. Um, you know, we've, Again, post-COVID kind of helped us spur some things along, but we do a lot of meets at the surgery center. Uh, I know you do that too, Blake. And so we meet them kind of the day of surgery, but we, we do get a chance to visit with them and make sure all their questions are answered you know, prior to if that happens. And, um, uh, uh, but you know, most of the patients I see are like the complex ones, stuff that needs a little bit more uh, planning, a second set of eyes, uh, and, and some people that need a little bit more guidance. Okay. And so what about you? What's your, what's your, uh, a more a typical morning clinic session in terms of number of patients and what's your support? Um, I'm actually very fortunate because when I have clinic or a Tulane, I'm the only uh, ophthalmologist in the clinic. So I actually get all the texts, which can vary from four to six texts um, in a given day. So it actually allows me to see a pretty high volume of patients. Um, so I, I ended up seeing maybe 30 to 40 in a morning clinic, although I end up, I end up finishing my mornings pretty late, you know, sometimes one o'clock, two o'clock. So it's playing some catch up, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a good, um, it's a good volume. It's a good pace and I stay really busy. And are you scribing or do you, are you typing into a computer or do you have someone with you? I do not have a scribe. So I, you know, I have residents and um, soon also a fellow to work, who work with me, who end up seeing most of the patients before I go in. So a lot of the documentation is done by the residents and the fellows. And I just go in and make any additions or changes um, in the EMR system. So I do not have a scribe. I do everything myself, which is not a whole lot because I have residents and fellows. Julie? Yeah. Uh, it, 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 you know, so I, it depends. Cause like, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, a, I usually see a lot of complex um, cornea patients. Um, rather than um, kind of like more straightforward patients. So I kind of max out at around like 20 to 25 patients in like a half day. And that, that ends up being really, really busy. Um, but I, I have a scribe with me. I usually have either like two, one, two residents or a fellow is really what it, what it works out to be. And then we have about three techs, a photographer, and um, then usually like a nurse in clinic as well. So you have a, you have, a, you have, you have like a, a photographer, like basically a tester. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's the other yeah. problem for, for my team is that like what they all, they all do the, the testing too. So they'll have to, they'll be kind of caught up on that. Right. Versus having a tester in place might make sense, but then our, our challenges, well, that tester, they don't want to just sit there and test all day, every day. They want to interact with patients. So, you know, you, the idea is maybe you can rotate them in and out. So we're working with that right now. Poulin, you had a question, I think for Zuh. What, what were you saying? Or is it? No, I was just contrasting, you know, Mike's setup to Zuz setup and in, in the volume. I was just wondering, you know, since you're doing a lot of it yourself, I'm probably somewhere in between. You know, Blake was asking, what kind of volume can you see like that in a half day? Uh, I mean, I can see on a busy day, I can see probably 35 to 40 patients. Um, everything goes smoothly. Um, but on average, probably 25 to 30 in a half day. And my mornings tend to be busier than the afternoons. So my mornings end up running a little bit later and then afternoons would play some catch up and have fewer patients in the afternoon. And how do you feel? Do you feel slammed at the, at the end of that? Or do you, because the residents and fellows are there, are they signing off on charts and kind of looking, I mean, are they kind of going through each chart or how do you? Um, I mean, I, obviously I see every patient, the residents are by no means required to see all the patients they see, you know, I tell them to see as many as they are comfortable because the important thing for them is to learn. 
Um, and since um, I'm the glaucoma uh, faculty, you know, to, I'm there to teach them glaucoma. So I tell them to take as much time as they can. They need to, to see each patient to completion so they can um, get the most out of it. But the residents do end up, you know, having residents of health certainly is very helpful in, um, in, in the pace of the clinic. So, I mean, I guess I'm kind of, I mean, that sounds like it would be very busy to me. Um, I probably, have, I think I have 26 slots in my half day and there's usually a couple of overbooks. So, I mean, I, 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 I rarely see more than 50, mid 50s patients. That's a pretty busy day for me and a whole day. Um, <clears throat> I have a couple of texts that are dedicated to me, but it's usually three texts. Um, we do have a diagnostic room, an anterior segment diagnostic room with someone, and that, that changes every day, but it's someone who's dedicated to just doing testing for the, for the new patient cataract valves. Um, but I think, you know, in that mix, there's a lot of follow-ups. There's a lot, there's a lot of post-ops too. So in a, in a half day, I might see, you know, 10 new patient cataract valves. Um, and the rest of them are follow-ups and cornea. I do, I do cornea too. So I'll see new cat, uh, cornea transplant valves and, and follow-up cornea patients. Um, you know, I, I think for me, and I've, you know, obviously seen and, and been around busy private practices, um, I think that one of the disadvantages to being in academia or even in, uh, in my setting is that um, there's some bureaucracy uh, to getting things done. Uh, manpower too, you know, the labor is more readily available, I think, in private practice. You're going to get more help. You know, if you say, well, I need another tech, I need another this, you're, you're going to be able to do that more readily. Um, you know, you really, I think the efficiency of a private practice type setup is that and, and, I'm, and we try, and I certainly is one of my goals has been to try and uh, allow people to function at their highest level. So if you're an MD, if you're a surgeon, you should be doing more surgical stuff. If you're an optometrist, you should be doing that. And if you're a tech, doing that. So that I think is ideal. And I think what, what Mike described really allows the surgeon to do his thing, like you said, um, let the optometrist do their thing. Um, we're trying to achieve that, but in our system, it's, 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 a, it's a challenge um, because each provider is responsible for their own productivity. Um, it's a, you know, it's a business, it's an organization, uh, it doesn't have the flexibility that private practice does. So we're each, you know, a lot, for every patient I see, I get one point, whatever RVUs, and so do the optometrists. So because it's, it's a, it's a system that's driven like that, each one in person is responsible for their own patients and their own productivity. We integrate optometrists, uh, in a way where they can help, um, and not have to worry about that for certain parts of the, of the day or certain parts of their week. But it's a challenge compared to the flexibility you have in private practice to really create a nice dynamic like Mike, Michael was uh, describing. Um, nonetheless, we're able to be relatively efficient, um, see that kind of volume. Um, you know, I probably do about a thousand cases a year and um, you know, it could be a little bit more efficient and we could probably do push it a little bit more. But the other thing I'd say is, you know, early on in my career, um, you know, I, I was, I was driven and I want to do more and more and more. And every year I was trying to add more patients and more surgery slots. And, uh, and then it reached a point where, like you said, I was, uh, I was trying to find a balance. And, and then I started realizing that, and I started backing off quite a bit um, and taking time in the afternoons and not going back to clinic after surgery, taking time for myself um, and some of my other interests in, in, in medicine as well as in life. So I think it's important to hear that and to know that, you know, at the beginning, it's good to be driven. It's good to work hard. And it's good to see lots of patients, and it's good to want to make more money. That stuff is great, and and to see more patients, and that's good. It's, it's you're, you're driven, but at the same time, don't allow yourself to be caught up in this rat race of of of, of trying to make more and do more. It, you know, you do have to sometimes take a step back and and pursue some of the other interests that you have, <clears throat> whether that might be um, 
entrepreneurial or uh, educational or research or reading a book or traveling or whatever it might be. But like Michael was saying, I think organizing your life a little bit with lists and stuff is actually a really great suggestion idea. One other thing I'd like to say for people coming out, I, you know, because I, I, again, I work with residents and have for the last 15 years. Um, and they also have these questions where they come, you know, how, how do I choose what's most important? Number one, also, I think, you know, like I said, location is critically important because if you know where you want to be, location is important um, and finding a, a place uh, where you want to be and where you want to live is important. In choosing between academia and private practice, I think one thing you need to do is make a self-assessment of um, how entrepreneurial are you, right? That's a big question. Like, are you like for me, I realized early on that, um, yeah, I, I just don't have that talent, I don't have that drive where I look at some of my co-residents and fellows and these guys are driven. They they are they know the business of medicine. They really are they are excited about that, about owning a business, about building a business, about having something to be proud of at the end of their day or their career that is theirs, you know, and they have ownership in it. And they're turned on by that and they're very productive and good at that. I mean, Blake is a great example. And um, you know, he his entire family is built that way, you know, his father, his brother is involved in the practice. But for me, I realized, even though I saw these these people and I respect them very much, that wow, that's not my talent, that's not my drive. You know, I, I like to take care of people and I like I like to not have to worry about that stuff. That stuff is, you know, it's too much, it's stressful for me. And I realized I didn't have that talent. So asking yourself, you know, how entrepreneurial are you and do you want to be? Is this somewhere in between or are you more inclined to, you know, academics? That's an important question to ask. And I think that's central about, you know, what we're talking about today. So. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, it's it's funny because like for me, you know, I'm, I'm, my next question is what's the best and worst thing about what, what your, your setup and, and what you just said right there is the best thing and the worst thing about what I do is that it's Williamson Eye Center, right? So the worst thing about that is if, 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 if someone's grandma didn't get her drops called in at the correct time six years ago and they see me at a, like a dinner party, it's like, you know, it's my fault. I didn't even saw the patient, right? It's like literally there's we we will get labeled for anything. And even though if it's something that happened, we've been in business 75 years. So that's the worst thing is like I can't control something that happened. I've only been in practice five years. Right. So so it all kind of comes back on me or if someone has a bad surgical experience or, you know, they have a cataract complication. It's so all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, Williamson Eye Center, they're all terrible, which means they're like, you know, that's all 14 of our doctors. And so it's really unfair. Uh, that's the worst thing about what I do is I can never, you know, get away from that. Whereas if you're at an institution or something like that, you're a bit insulated, right? It's not, it's not your brand and your family, but that's also the best thing about what I do because I have a lot of pride with that, with that. And I love the, the opportunity to, to build what we've already accomplished. And that's what I'm doing now. So it's a, uh, it's a double-edged sword. Mike, what about you? What's the, what's the best and worst thing about sort of your setup and where you are? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I mean, the, I love, you know, the easiest part of my day is the OR, uh, believe it or not, because all the thinking is done. You know, you've, you've done this, uh, you know, plenty of times, you know what you're going into, unless you're doing surgery like Julie, where it's crazy complex stuff, um, you know, but for, for most of the stuff, you, you know what you're doing. You, uh, you've made the decisions, you just put the puzzle together. And then uh, the hardest part for me was, you know, I wasn't, and still I'm not super savvy in business, uh, but I'm learning that as we go. And and that and the people part are kind of the most challenging, but they're also the most rewarding part of it because, you know, you get to work with people that you love, you have control over 
you know, who joins your work family and people that you literally are spending more time with than your real family uh, most of the time. And I'm only in one location, so I work with the same people every single day. We don't have to travel around and I really, really love that. And we have that control over it. And so, you know, for me, Monday mornings, I look forward to them because I know kind of what's coming and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I obviously I love my time with my family and if I could spend every day as a Saturday, I'd do it. But, uh, you know, the alternative is not too bad showing up on, on Monday morning and, and seeing the work family that I work with. So same question. Best and worst thing about uh, your current position. What, what, what would you wish you could change and what do you what do you love about it? Well, by far, the, the best part of my job, I think, is the ability to teach and a mentorship aspect of working with residents and students, you know, to see the residents grow from knowing very little ophthalmology, really not knowing how to operate at all to graduation where these there are these amazing surgeons and clinicians and, you know, they're going to do so well and help, all, you know, all these a lot of patients in their future. That's just incredibly, incredibly rewarding. Um, and then also working with the residents also just constantly challenges me, which I love, you know, by answering their questions. They really keep me on my toes, making sure that I'm striving to constantly stay on top of my clinical knowledge and surgical skills. Um, the worst part of being in academics, and I think I will echo some of the things that Puin said, was, you know, the bureaucracy. Is, you know, our field is so incredibly innovative with constantly new technologies, new techniques, constantly evolving and coming out. Um, but sometimes kind of getting to do those new surgeries and using those new implants can be difficult for me because I'm in a hospital-based um, surgery system where getting a new device approved can take quite be difficult and time-consuming. And that's the part that I dislike the most is that I'd rather spend my time taking care of patients, teaching and doing research than doing all the paperwork it involves to go through all these committees to get things approved. Um, so that's if I could change that, I would definitely change that. Julie, how does Zuh and Pullen, like they both mentioned the bureaucracy of working in a big organization. Like, I feel like if, those, if, if he or she just showed up, like, they'd be like, look, I'm Zuh and I'm Pullen, like, give me what I want. Is it not that easy? Like, I mean, I feel like if you, if you're a producer and if you're talented and if you're like, I feel like they'd want to make these guys happy. Uh, is that what's your, what, what, what do you, how do you challenge the bureaucracy and get things done? You know, it's the, the thing, the thing with being at a university is that it's a much, much bigger pond, you know, so like ophthalmology is a relatively like small fish in, in the ocean of, of medicine. So, you know, getting attention to ophthalmology saying, Hey, you know, if you give me two ORs, I can do twice as many cataract surgeries in a day, because, you know, the thing that's limiting me is the turnover between the time they say, well, that's like the equivalent of like doing one more heart transplant and the amount of revenue that we get. So why don't we just give that to like, you know, cardiothoracic surgery? So that's, that's kind of what you're up against in terms of, in terms of, uh, in terms of making your case. So, you know, part of it is, is, you know, demonstrating productivity. Part of it is, you know, knowing how to um, kind of who to talk to and how to, to make your case. And then a lot of it, honestly, that's been really, really successful us for us in, 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 in at, at you know ECSF is, you know, grateful patients, kind of the, the philanthropic side of it. You know, grateful patients saying, you know, hey, what do you need? We want to help you guys out. We know that you're here to like help patients. Um, you know, what can we do to help you? So that really helps fund a lot of like new devices that, you know, otherwise, you know, financially we're not going to be super high volume, so it might not make sense for us to purchase. Um, and it also helps, you know, finance things for like residents and, 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 and our residency training. So that, that definitely, definitely helps, but it's, you know, it's a constant struggle in terms of just arguing over, you know, or, or time. And, you know, when we want to post a new position, we have to get it approved by like the vice Dean and, you know, the, you know, all, all the, all the stuff that they have said, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big, big bureaucratic machine. 
I like what you just said. That's right up my alley. Operate on some rich VIP people and say, hey, you can donate to the to the university, but like only in ophthalmology and be like, I'm bringing this I'm bringing this person to the table. But like, I want that new laser. Yeah, it, to- it totally works. We actually have our own philanthropic organization that's affiliated with the Department of Ophthalmology. <laughs> that's been that is that is one of the reasons why our department has been so successful. Bring the money in yourself. Totally. Don't yeah. count on. I love it. That's cool. Exactly. All right. Well, in in these last couple minutes, I just thought we'd kind of go around and just kind of wrap up and just um, speak to um, what you'd say to that resident or that fellow who's listening right now trying to decide between academia and private practice. Um, So I'll start with you um, and uh, and then we'll go to Julie. I think my question to that trainee would be, you know, do you want to teach and or do research? You don't have to do both. You know, academics is very flexible nowadays. You can have different tracks. Uh, careers that can focus on teaching or research or both. So if you're someone that has passion to do either, um, definitely consider academics because it's incredibly rewarding. Julie? You know, I think the most important question for, for people kind of in training is to ask themselves is, you know, what what is really important to you and what is ultimately going to make you happy? Because the I think the trap that people get caught in um, you know, coming up, you know, through residency is that, you know, it's, it's competitive. You got to get into a good college. And then you got to work hard. You got to get into a good medical school, and then you got to work hard to get into residency. And there's this, you know, kind of, you know, career bias, you know, up to that point towards being productive academically, um, you know, being academic-minded, that type of thing. And you know, academics is probably not for everybody. You really have to love free research, and you really have to love teaching. And you know, I think people need to ask themselves, you know, is that what I truly love? Is it the business aspect that I really love, the entrepreneurial aspect, in which case private practice is a real fit? Is it just doing a lot of surgery? Is that what you truly love? Or, you know, is it is it location? You know, I, I really have to be, you know, like like Mike in, in North, you know, North Dakota. You know, what 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 is what is ultimately going to make you happy? And then once you answer, you know, one or two key things in your life, then I think um, the rest of it kind of falls into place. Philip, what do you think? You kind of addressed this uh, uh, earlier, but what, some last thoughts for someone thinking between these two. Yeah, like I said, I think it's important to ask yourself, um, like Julie was saying, what is important to you as far as location and volume and uh, entrepreneurial opportunities, things like that. Um, Also realize you have some self-awareness that your primary experience, just like Michael was saying, his primary experience in training was private practice. Most people, their primary experience is academics and that's all they see. So it is normal and natural for people first out of training to gravitate towards a semi-academic or an academic environment, even though it might not be in your best interest or your your what's important to you. So understand where you're coming from and what your experiences are. Try and diversify your experiences as much as possible. You know, go out and see what private practice is like when you're in training. So you get that experience because you may not have exposure to it. So try and get exposure to different aspects so you can at least see what it's like. Um, and again, ask yourself those questions. You know, what are the most important things as far as location and volume and how, and money and uh, and time? And, uh, you know, and, and your entrepreneurial uh, in, uh, interests versus your academic interests and teaching interests. These are very specific questions that are very important to answer uh, and to ask yourself. Um, sometimes it's hard to answer them because we don't necessarily know. But, but it's a good, good thing to do as you're finishing up uh, or looking for a job is to ask these specific questions to yourself and, uh, and try and formulate a picture of what you think is going to make you the happiest and prioritize those things. And when you can do that, then it's going to make it a little bit easier to make that decision. Beautiful. Mike? Yeah, I think, you know, 
you have to understand that one isn't better than the other. It truly comes down to what's going to be best fit for you. And the world needs both. We need academia. We need private practice. And we need the mix of it because there's certain things that I can do um, in private practice that, uh, you know, academians can't do and, and vice versa. And so, uh, you know, I really like teaching and I get to do a little bit of that but I'm only spending an hour or a couple hours with these people. So I'm just helping them refine a technique versus, you know, what you guys do in the residency programs where you're taking them, you know, from babies to full grown adults and getting out into the world. And so, um, so you can still do a little bit of that, but I think it's just, again, what you guys have all mentioned is prioritizing those top couple of things, figuring out what's important to you. And it's hard to do when you're in, you know, the middle of residency, but you'll kind of know what you naturally drift towards and um, just keep working on that. And, and one other comment too is, uh, you know, I, we, you can do residencies and fellowships, uh, you know, in private practice and just a, a plug for that, but, uh, you know, keep your eyes open and look for that stuff. Again, not saying one's better than the other, but we've got a surgical fellowship uh, I'm biased towards because I did it um, with, you know, John Bertall, Vance Thompson, and now Daniel Turvin is there as well to help out. Uh, but we also started some optometry residency programs you know, to help them gain their knowledge and stuff like that too. And so you can kind of find that mix. If you start on one path, you can, you know, branch it back to another. And so uh, no road you pick right off the beginning is going to be the end all and, and just keep that open mind to it and keep working on, on the things that you want to do. That's a great message, Mike. It, and, and I think that, you know, it leads me to kind of what I'll end with, with, with my advice, which is something that, that a few of you've already touched on. And that's that, you know, your first job may not be your last job, right? And in fact, statistics show it probably won't. So, so the first thing is, if you're really kind of, you know, uh, you know, worrying about which one to do, just understand that, that, you know, it may not be that you're going to be here forever. So this doesn't have to be a lifetime choice, right? But you do want to try to make the, a, a, a first choice that, that's meaningful to you. I would say they make sure you do the thing that you want to do and things that you like to do, not things that you like the idea of. Um, a lot of people like the idea of certain things, but once they actually get into that space, they really actually they don't like it. Right. I talk to residents all the time who are talking about going to do some academic fellowship like in cornea, for instance. And they say, I'm doing that because I want to go do high volume refractive cataract surgery in LASIK. And I'm like, well, man, that, that's not really what you're going to do there. You're going to be doing hardcore cornea and you're going to be staffing open globes and go do a cornea fellowship because you want to be the best cornea surgeon on the planet, not because you want to go do that and have that behind your name and, you know, eventually, um, you know, go do LASIK and stuff like that. Just, you know, there's private practice fellowships for things like that. So make sure you, like, like Poulin said, diversify your experiences, spend time with people in the real world, because chances are most of the residents watching this are in a, at an academic institution. At the academic institution that you're at, my advice to you is seek out the people that are happiest and hang out with them. And you'll know, you know, the, those ones that seem like they're really enjoying life. Poulin was one of them for me. He wasn't even at my institution, but he was down the street. And I was like, I got to go hang out with that guy. Um, and I got to see what he did. So find the happiest people that do what you do and spend time with them. And then I, I think that that will kind of push you uh, towards one or the other. But like I said, um, you know, you have, a, it's, it's a long life. And uh, if your first choice doesn't turn out to be the right one, uh, there's plenty of runway left. So with that, I want to thank Poulin and Zuh and Julie and Mike. Thanks so much for spending time with us. We hope that, uh, uh, all of our listeners learned something tonight and uh, look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Surviving Friday.